Oh, I said hallelujah. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Are you glad to be in God's presence? Everywhere that the presence of the Lord is, is God's house. Hallelujah. So your room right there is God's house. When you are there, the Holy Spirit is there. Hallelujah. We've been talking about God's choices. Somebody say God's choices. God's choices. The things that God chooses. The, the reason why we need to understand that God has choices and God chooses what he chooses is because if you don't understand what God is choosing, you may be deceived by Satan. Amen. If you don't understand what God uses and chooses to use, you may look at the wrong things and miss out on what God is doing in your life or what God wants to do with you. Hallelujah. So it's very important that you and I understand what God chooses, why he chooses what he chooses and what he's doing in our lives and with our lives. We started looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 18 all the way to 31. I'm going to re rehearse it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 18 to 31. For the, message of the, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Amen. Amen. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greek, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing things which are. That no flesh will glory in, the presence, in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Now, the things that I want you to understand is that God has chosen the weak things, the seemingly weak things. God has chosen them to confound and to make, to full, make foolish the things that we hold so strong. The things that we are all very, very strong in, God, has made, God hasn't chosen them. God has chosen the seemingly foolish things. And I, I said to you last week when we're looking at it, that in those days when, when uh, Paul was, was writing this, this particular letter to the Corinthians, in Corinth, they had a lot of Greek philosophers there. 
A lot of very, very, you know, smart, sharp people there. And there were a lot of uh, Jews in that place too. And they sought a sign. They sought power. They sought something. Amen. It is no different from our our day-to-day where people believe that for God to move, there must be miracles. There must be some some wild things. So when there is nothing, the, the pastors are compelled to seek the occult or they are compelled to seek some, some uh, magic or they are compelled to uh, find, you know, manufacture some, you know, get people to, to uh, say that they've been healed, say that they've been, uh, they were blind, now they can see. People who are not blind make themselves blind so that it, the power will be seen. I'm not against God healing. I'm not against the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand that God chooses what he chooses. And we cannot force the hand of God. God is not like a man. God doesn't think the way we think. Are you with me? So the Bible is saying that here, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things to put to shame the mighty. The base things that is what God has chosen. So God chooses what he chooses. Not what we want chosen but what God has chosen so let us find out God's heart let us find what God has chosen so that we become strong in the things that God has chosen not in the things that we think we must choose are you with me because in our world we choose you know science we choose philosophy we choose you know the art we choose anthropology and all those type of things because that sounds very powerful it sounds very you know, it sounds great. It sounds good. But that's not what God chooses in. We started looking at all these things. We, why have you hidden my trash? I like my trash. You know, the thing that we call trash, the thing that we call bin bags, trash, you know, these are the things God has chosen. So if you're looking for strong things, you're looking for uh, mighty things, you have missed the big. It means God cannot use you. Am I making sense to somebody? It means God cannot, because the thing that you are looking at is not what God is using. God is using what he's using. And sometimes what God uses looks silly to us. Example, faith. Faith is something that God chooses. Faith sounds like hocus pocus to people who are strong in philosophy, strong in logic, strong in, uh, you know, the science. They cannot operate by faith. Critical thinkers don't like faith because faith sounds foolish. You know, look at, look at the scripture with me. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, now he, he says that now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. What he's saying is that the elders relied on faith and God accounted it as a good testimony. Well done, good job. You have being strong in what God has chosen. So God says that that is good. Well done. Thumbs up. But that's not what the mighty have chosen. That is not what the wise will choose. And he says, verse 3 says that, for by faith we understand that the world were framed by the word of God. Wow. So God framed the world by the word of God. That, that is, you need faith to take that foolishness in. Are you with me? You need faith to take that foolishness in because it's like science, big bang theory, uh, what's the, what's the evolution, um, natural selection. 
You know, those are the things that created the world. You cannot say that the world was created by somebody who spoke. Now, who made the person's voice to speak what he spoke? Am I making sense to you? You see, so they, they start punching holes and they, they, because they have not been, God hasn't chosen that. God says, I, I have spoken the world to being. And by faith, the elders obtained a good sacrifice because they understood that the worlds were framed by the things that God spoke. So that the things that we can see physically were not made of the things that are physical, but of Things that cannot be seen, like words. You can't see words. But the words is what God used to make the world. And words is what God is using to hold the world together. Hallelujah. And that is something that is very, very, it doesn't make sense to the mind. Hallelujah. And that is how come those of, of, who are very intellectual sometimes struggle with things of faith. Amen. But I'm praying for you and I that we'll become people of faith. That we'll become people that are not, you know, we don't, we don't struggle to believe what God has said in his word. Have faith in his word. Stand strong on our faith. Stand strong on our beliefs. Hallelujah. And that is what, what we are supposed to do. You know, the, I, I read a scripture, in Romans chapter 1, give me verse 21. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. He says something. The reason, this is the reason why God has chosen the foolish things. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. He says that because, because when the people, because though they knew God, they did not glory in him as God, nor were they thankful because it became, so it became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know, God is calling their hearts foolish because they did not retain God. Why did they not retain God? They did not retain God because the thing that God has chosen was alien to what they would choose. Hallelujah. And so, next verse, quickly. So their hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Next verse. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like corrupt man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. You see, they decided to, to take tangible things instead of intangible things. They decided to hold on to things that they could hold on to, like a PhD. You can hold on. This is my certificate. It shows my prowess. What are you talking about, faith? Hallelujah. He says that in, the, in our folly, in our minds, we, 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 we became, we did not retain God in our minds. So he gave us to reprobate mindset. And then when you carry on, next verse, when you go on, you realize that therefore God gave them up in the last of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. So now men marry men, men are marrying animals, you know, and... and, and I mean, all those type of things going on. Craziness in the world. Why? Because we have decided not to retain God in our minds. So last week we started talking about faith. Amen. And then the next one we said that God chooses is what? The preaching or the foolishness of preaching. Somebody say the foolishness of preaching. 
the foolishness of preaching is what God has chosen in, the, in verse 18, that's 1 Corinthians 1, 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The, the message that is being preached is the power of God. And see, sometimes we as Christians, we struggle sometimes to appreciate the preaching of the word. I, I'm, I'm making sense. We struggle because we, it, it, sometimes it sounds foolishness to us. Sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't because we are in the, in the world and we also, people who have had a trained mindset, we sometimes think the way the people in Romans chapter 1 think sometimes. Are, are you with me? So sometimes we struggle to, to appreciate God and to appreciate what the word of God is saying and what the power behind the preaching is. We struggle sometimes. Hallelujah. Now, the reason that he refers to preaching as foolishness is because that's how many in the city of Corinth at the time viewed preaching. Because to them it was foolishness. Remember, Paul was an intellectual. He was an intellectual. So when he spoke, as an intellectual, they respected him. But anytime he reverted to preaching the word, he sounded like a fool. So they were struggling with it because the Jews wanted a sign. They wanted power, not words. And the Greeks wanted philosophy, anatomy, psychology, medicine, pharmacy. They wanted, you know, all those type of things. So both, in both parts and both sides, it sounded foolish because God created a word and he became flesh and he dwelt among men and he was in the person of Jesus. He was born without a father. I mean, who does that? Hallelujah. So it makes, it makes it foolish. In Acts chapter 26, verse 24 to 28, it says that now... He thus made his defense. That's Paul. Paul has now been taken to uh, King Festus to, to make his defense for his gospel. And he says that now as he made his defense, Festus, uh, to Agrippa, sorry, and Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. You are mad. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad. Most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I speak freely knows these things. For I, have, I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention since the thing was done in the in a corner. Was not done in a corner. Then King, King, King Agrippa said, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. You, you were this close to persuading me. I almost, why? Because preaching has power. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, words have power. The words we are hearing, has, it has a lot of a tremendous power. The Bible says, Jesus said that the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They have life in them. Hallelujah. Life to, they have so much life to transform your life. 
They have so much life to give you a lift and a raise. They have so much life to give you what you cannot give yourself. The preaching of the word. Hallelujah. What makes preaching powerful? What is it that makes preaching powerful? What is it that makes preaching powerful? Because preaching is the word of God. 2 Timothy 4, 2 to 4. It says that preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own heart desires, because they, they have itchy ears, they will heap for themselves teachers who will not preach the words they want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. Amen. They will turn their, themselves to the truth. Let, listen, let us not turn to stories. You see, when somebody is preaching the word, you must know that this is the word. When somebody is telling stories, you must know that this is, these are stories. Hallelujah. You know, I don't know whether you've seen all these type of false uh, prophets and false, uh, you know, preachers and teachers and things. They, when they come, half of the time, they don't even preach the word of God. They, don't, they, they just start saying stories and how powerful they are and what they have, they have, who they have healed and who they have done, uh, uh, what miracles they've done. And they do that and then they do a little bit of dance, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of uh, uh, all that sort of uh, type of things. And then they, they perform their magic and then people just, you know, believe them. Hallelujah. But that's not what God has chosen. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. The third thing that God has chosen is the word of God. Someone say the word of God. You see, the second one, preaching is different from the word. Preaching is, is the medium that the word uses. Amen. But the word, the word, someone say the word. The word is the most important. The word is what God has chosen. Give me John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. Amen. In the beginning was what? The word. The word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. Verse 2. It says that he was in the beginning. Who was in the beginning? The word was in the beginning. God has chosen the word, so the word was in the beginning. The next one, quickly. All things were made through the word, and without the word was nothing made that was made. In him was life. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In the word is what? Life, and it is the light of the word, the world, amen. The light of men. Listen, the word of God is one of the most powerful things God chooses. Amen. It is not miracles. It is not miracles. It is not healing. It is not, uh, what do you call it? All this, this drama, prophecies, and everything. You see, I'm using those things because those are all offshoot of the word. The word creates miracle, but miracle is not the word. The world creates prophecy, but prophecy is not the word. The world creates uh, uh, healing, but healing is not the word. Don't get it twisted. None of these things are the word. The word is the word. Amen. 
The word is the world. And the Bible says, the next verse, verse 5, it says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. The word was made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Give me Hebrews chapter chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. It says that God in diverse times, in sundry times, spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the, the men of old. But now, verse 2, now, God has chosen, in the last days, God has spoken to us by his son. And we read in John chapter 1 that he became the word made what? Flesh and dwelt amongst us. Amen. God has spoken through his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Amen. He has appointed the word. You know, somebody was asking, somebody said to me the other one, one day, that how does this uh, scripture we are reading, that in the old time, God through spoke through the prophets and everything, but now has chosen to speak through his son, Jesus. And does that mean that the Old Testament is rubbish because the Old Testament is, is prophets, it's not Jesus. And now if he's speaking through his son, it means the son is the one who should pay attention to. But you, you see, when you read the prophets, when you read the, the Old Testament, it's pointing to the son. Are you with me? All the things from Genesis through to Malachi is pointing at Jesus. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? You can get everything, the, everything in the New Testament if you read the Old Testament. If only you have eyes, you can see all the, the, the New Testament in the Old Testament. And all the, 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 the Old Testament in the New Testament, you can see because all, everybody spoke and pointed at Jesus. And Jesus is the expression of God because he explains everything that was spoken by the prophets. Are you with me? And what God is speaking now, he explains everything. So there's no dichotomy. It's the same thing. Hallelujah. How many can understand that? So the, 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 the word, the word is what God chooses. Listen, beloved, let us become strong in the word. I say be strong in the word. Be strong, not in, in anything but the word. See, sometimes we as Christians, we are strong in prayer, but very weak in the word. Listen, if you are strong in the word, you'll be strong in prayer. Because prayer is just speaking the word of God back to him. Are, are you with me? If you like, the word of God is the constitution. It's the law. You can never be a good lawyer if you don't know the law. Am I making sense? A good lawyer is the one who knows the law back to front. So he can, he can take the law, he can take the word, the, the, the constitution, he can take the law and free somebody who has been charged. He can take this word constitution and liberate somebody who, they, maybe they've collected somebody's uh, uh, properties from him. He can use the word to get the properties back. Am I making sense? If you are strong in the word, you'll be strong in prayer. Because otherwise, you'll be praying, but the, the strength or the, the result of your prayer will be lacking because you are lacking the constitution. Because see, God, Satan is accusing you, accusing us before God. 
Jesus is interceding for us. He's our defense counsel. But, and Satan is using the accusation. But when we go to him, when we go to, for the justice of heaven, we must have a word that we can use, that Jesus can use to defend us. And for us to, for Jesus to be able to use the word to defend, you must know what he, he has said in his word. Because he has made his word a little about himself that he cannot even go over it. God cannot, out of pity, give you, vindicate you without you using the word. That's how come it's, 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 it's uh, foolish or it's, it's senseless going to God and crying. Because God cannot just use, Jesus comes to use our emotion to liberate us. Am I making sense? There are some people who go to prayer and say, oh Lord, they cry like two hours and then they say amen. Hoping that God will have compassion. No, that's not how it works. Am I making sense to somebody? So preach the word. Preach the word. The word of God. Somebody say the word of God. The word of God. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is powerful. Now let's look at, look at the, some of the things that the, the word of God has. The word of God is what we must live by. The word of God is a light to our path. Somebody say a light to our path. In Psalm 119 verse 105 it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. If we are going to succeed in walking in this world, walking on this earth with power, with uh, success, then we must have the word to be a light, a guide. Without the word, we are doomed to fail. Without the word, we are going to stumble. But when we have the word, we have light. It must be our guardian. That's why it is important that every time you spend time to read the word, in the morning before you get out of your house. Hallelujah. Spend time to read the word. Spend time to, to look into the word. Amen. Spend time. Look into the word. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4. It says that in answer they said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. Man shall not live by what? Bread alone. Jesus speaking to, he said that man shall not, this is the temptation. He said man shall not live by bread alone, but by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you want to live, live, by, or live on the word. Amen. If you want to live, live on the word. Let us be strong in the word. Amen. Be strong in the word. Because the word reveals what is in our heart. The word of God reveals what is in our heart. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2, it says that the word of God is quick and sharp and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it's a descender of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word. Amen. Hebrews 4.12, I said. Hallelujah. It reveals what is in our heart. Because our intentions, sometimes we don't know what is in our heart. Do you know that? How many know that sometimes you don't know what is in your heart? I remember I preached a, me a message on motives. When I finished, the sister came to me and said that I never knew that the good thing that I was doing came from a jealous place. And that, therefore, God rejects my good. Because sometimes we may be doing good things, but our motives are wrong. But so when you see the word in the word of God, 
that you should check your motive. It's not what you are doing, but the motive behind what you are doing is as important as what you are doing. Immediately, that corrects you because it gives you a certain, you know, it's like, mm, I didn't know. It's a good thing that I was doing, but the intention behind it was wrong. And because of that, God rejects it. How did you find that out? By his word. The word of God is a mirror. James chapter 1 verse 23. He says that for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty and he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not forgetful here but the doer of the work. This is the one who will be blessed in what he does. Amen. Because the word of God is like a mirror. It reflects who we are. As we look into it, we see ourselves. How many have read something in the Bible and you knew that it was in your bedroom? This one was really lashing me. Hallelujah. I said, this one, I can't get away. This is me. Or you've been in church and the word was being preached and you knew that this one they are in my, they are, this one they have really, they are really caning me today. You know that this one pastor doesn't know. This one pastor doesn't know. This one nobody has reported. As for this one, it is God that is dealing with me today. How many have felt that way before? You came to church and you knew that, mm. Listen, when you feel that way, take it. Own it. It's your reflection in the mirror. How many have looked in the mirror and didn't like what, what stared at you? How many? How many? <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you look in your, in your mirror and it's like, like you went to the barber and then you didn't look when you're in the salon. But when you came home, and you looked in the mirror, you saw that your hairline has gone to, to the top of your head. That's where your hairline is starting from. You feel like going back and collecting your money. <laughs> Hallelujah. How, how many understand what I'm saying? It's a mirror. The word of God is a mirror. Listen, Christians, we must be strong in the word. I'm not saying that the word should be everything and power and miracle and all signs and wonders. It doesn't matter. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you see, when you are strong in the word, the word is like the foundation. When you are strong in the foundation, everything just adds onto it. Are you with me? But when the word is weak, when the word is not fully taking its, its rightful course in you, then you are easily persuaded, you are easily dissuaded. Any, anybody just tosses you this way, that way. And we be no more children tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine. Everybody can, they say this, then you are into it. They say this, then you are into it. So you see that this person is following this type of uh, person, then before they realize that person is, is not good, then they go and follow this type of person, then they realize that person is not good, then they go and follow this type of person. Because they didn't have the foundation of the word. Because you see, when you have the foundation of the word and it is wrong, it is wrong. You know it. Because if you try it, the Bible says test every spirit. How do you test it? You test it with a word. 
Does it line with the word? But first of all, you must know the word to be able to line up and measure it. Am I making sense? You, you see, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that a man may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. Amen. A man will be complete, equipped for every good work when he continues in the perfect law of the word. When we continue studying it, then we are going to be well trained. Why? Because when we keep looking at the word, it will correct us. It will reprove us. It will correct us. It will train us in righteousness. And when the word of God is reproving you, accept it. Don't say, ask for this one. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll. I remember having an, a, a, a conversation with a, a person. And then when I read the word to the person, he said, oh, no. Who wrote that bit? And I said, and he said, if it is Paul, I'm not going to receive it. Then I said, why? He said, because Paul wrote somewhere that uh, slaves must, must be nice to they are masters. So it means Paul, he, he, he's somebody who loves slaves. He supports slavery. So I cannot, this word that is correcting me, I cannot accept it because it's coming from Paul. If it came from somebody else, maybe. Are <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to say? No, no, you can't, we can't do that. We cannot do that. Hallelujah. We cannot do that. We should, we should allow the word to train us, to correct us. Amen. In Luke chapter 11, verse 20, it says that, but he said, Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When you hear the word of God, keep it. Whether it is to your advantage or it is clashing you or it is rebuking you or reproving you, keep the word. Hallelujah. Heaven and earth shall pass away, Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. The word of God will never pass. Let us be strong in the word. Amen. Let us be strong in the word. Every word of God, Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. If we take refuge, you see, it's amazing that in this scripture, he's using the word as a person. Are you hearing the, the Proverbs 30, verse 5? Hear, try and hear what I'm saying before you put it on. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take him. The word is a person. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The word of God is not an innate object. It's, it's a person. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when you are reading, have a discussion with him. Now, I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. When you are reading him, it's a conversation between you and him. So when you read it and you don't understand, ask him that, listen, listen, wh what did you say? Why, why are you saying it? Can you explain it a little bit further? Because he is a person. The word of God is a person. Let him show you what he means. Hallelujah. 
John 17, 17 says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is what? Truth. Your word is truth. The word can wash. Sanctify means washing. The word can wash you and wash you well. Amen. Amen. If any debt is in you, uh, is in me, when we look into the word, it washes us, it sanctifies us. Amen. Are you being blessed by the word? Yes. I said this earlier on John 6, 63, the, word, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. The word of God is life. Amen. If there's any dead situation in your, in your life, let the word of God bring life into it. Amen. Because the words you are hearing are life. That is why you must be a lover of the word of God. I don't know about you, but I love the word of God. You know, rather than listening to CNN and listening to BBC News and listening to News of the World, these days we have a Bible that can be read for you when you are washing. So allow the, the, the voice around your room to be the word of God that is being read to you. Because you, you want sound. Because really, you are not act actively listening to the news. You are watching and the news of the world is going on, isn't it? That's what, but why don't you change the news to the word of God? Because it has more power in it than what Donald Trump is doing. It has more power than what they are doing in Minnesota and uh, uh, Florida. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? The word of God has power. As newborn babes, 1 Peter 2, 2, desire the sincere milk of what? The word that you may be able to grow. The word of God has a way of making us grow. Amen. The word of God, when we feed on the word, we grow. How many are growing through the word? One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says that the grass Faith, the God with us and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The grass will always wither. The flower will always fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Amen. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. Hallelujah. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says that so shall my words that goes, go out, that goes out of my mouth, not return to me empty. But it will accomplish every purpose. It will accomplish what I please. And it will prosper in the thing that I've sent it. Hallelujah. The word will never fall to the ground. God's word will never fall to the ground. Has he not said? And would he not do? What, whatever he says, you can go to the bank with it. Because that is what it is. And that is what will be true. And that is what will stand forever. He said, not a tittle, not a, 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 an iota of the word will fall to the ground. Everything that he said will come to pass. So why must we emphasize on the word? We must emphasize on the word because the time is coming when people will not endure sound God doctrine. People will not endure the word of God. I'm sure we can all see that people are not interested in the word of God. How many understand what I'm saying? You know, I was talking to somebody 
And we're talking about this type of false prophets that have infiltrated our airwaves. And I was asking the person, so does that mean that the people who go to such places don't know that this place is false? With all the testimonies and every, all the funny things that are being said about th those places, why do they keep going there? It's because people want to hear what they want to hear. Am I making sense? People want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear what will massage their egos or what will give them, you know, if you want somebody's husband. Come to me. I will give you an oil. When you take the oil, you put it on your face and go to somebody's husband and you can, you know, entice the person. The person will leave their wife and come for you. Don't they know that what they are doing is wrong? They do know it. But why are they doing it? Because they, 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 they want to hear the, the word. They want to hear what they want. What will benefit them today is what they want. Amen. That is why we must keep on preaching the word of God. Not add to it, not take anything from it. Keep preaching because the time is coming that people will not endure the word. That's why we read in, in 2 Timothy 4, 2, it says, I preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. And make sure that the word of God convinces people, rebukes people, reproves and exhorts people with all long suffering and teach people. For the time is coming they will not endure good doctrine. But according to their own desires, because of their itchy ears, they will heap for themselves teachers that will preach anything but the word of God. Is it happening today? People are preaching anything and, but the word of God. Sometimes you listen, it's like you are listening, you are watching, and you are listening. And the person will start from first minute, maybe talk for three hours, two hours, do magic, and they won't open the word even once. They have a whole service and they will not open the word of God once. And there will be a lot of miracles, a lot of uh, prophecies. <laughs> I watched one, one, one service, there was a queue. People are coming and the man of God is standing there. He said, you, you will die. You, you will be married. You, you will receive a, a husband. You, you have twins. You, you are going to be poor. You, you, as they are walking, as soon as you come, they, he gives you a prophecy, then you go this way, he gives you a prophecy, then you go this way. Then, and everybody was in the queue. Then you, you will die. Then. <laughs> so as you are going, you are crying. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, don't, don't think it's a joke. It's happening today. Why? It's because we have neglected the word. So we have put our faith in a man. And the man doesn't even know us or care about us. So he just looks at you, you will die. You, you, and he's not even looking. As people are coming, he's just, you, you receive a husband. You, you, this, you, that. And then people are going. I watched it myself and I was like, wow. Wow. That's all I could say, wow. And the reason is that we, we want to hear nice things. Our ears, we want to hear. That's how come these days some pastors have become, uh, prophets have become very popular because they prophesy that this government, this, this people will win the election. These people will lose. This one person, uh, this celebrity will die. 
Why do you, won't we all die? It's appointed unto man once to die. And Philippians 1.21 says that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if I die, I've gained. If I live, I live for Christ. So why do I want to know what a man of God says? You, you live. You, you die. You, no. It's because we want to hear something. We want to have take, uh, have you seen if you put uh, what you call cotton bud or something in your ear? It's like it's sweet. No. Don't have itchy ears. I said don't have itchy ears. Hallelujah. So let's use the word right. I said let us use the word right. Amen. 